Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4, please. And I would like to read verses 3 to 5. And in the process of time, it came to pass Praise God. It came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the first lane of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very rough and his countenance fell. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Amen. Whoa. God have mercy. Someone tell the person sitting next to you, watch out for unbelief. Oh, no, say like a minute. Watch out for unbelief. On this faithful day as we join with our children as they celebrate or as they celebrate their day, I want to turn our attention to this book of Genesis because it has something to do with the society that we live in right now and it also has something for us to do. We as a people, we as children, and we as adults, something for us to do. To God be the glory. Right. Now, there are some behaviors and actions which, when mentioned, people immediately identify them as sinful and harmful in our society. Unfortunately, there is a harmful attitude, much more harmful attitude, that is not visible in a way to the natural eye. That people don't realize is the cause of most of the troubles and the issues or the challenges we have in our world and in our societies today. 
I dare say that these, this harmful attitude sometimes can even deceive the saints, even the righteous. Why? Because it often hides underneath economic progress, material expansion, and development. It hides underneath these things. So when we see technological advancement and all that, this particular attitude hides behind it. And what is this attitude? It is what we call unbelief. 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 What is unbelief? Unbelief is a condition of the mind or the heart. Such that it is not able to trust or hope in God or serve God. Why? Because Satan has covered it with something. The mind. He covers the mind with something. And this something can be an idea. It can be a dislike. Something that a person that doesn't like. Or it can even be a desire. So, because of the idea, that desire, that dislike, this mind is covered. And now, it's not able to trust or hope in God or even serve God. But here in this passage, in Genesis chapter 4, God shows us how dangerous or how, how harmful unbelief is to us as individuals and as a society in general. And God wants us to watch out. Watch out for it. And to determine in our hearts to, to always give the best. Give our best to God. And to promote the knowledge of God. In a society that is making progress. But in unbelief. God have mercy. Let's pray. Father we thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor. May your name be exalted. May our hearts and minds come to the knowledge of your truth in Genesis 4 for our lives, for our children, and for our society. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God. Okay.
Right. Right. In Genesis chapter 4. I would like to begin with this. Praise God. Okay. The Bible says in the verse 1. Making me co-host. Okay. It says, And Adam. What is this? And Adam. his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said I have gotten a man from the Lord and she again bare his brother Abel and Abel was a keeper of the sheep but Cain was a tiller of the ground and in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstling of his flock, and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was wroth, and his countenance fell. Praise Jesus. God would want us to understand that unbelief is a major, is, is, a, is, is a big problem. Unbelief. Unbelief. When a person is not able to trust God, when a person is not able to yield themselves to God, when a person cannot hope in God, it is a big problem. Actually, unbelief, Bible calls unbelief a sin. It's a big issue. It's a big problem. And there are certain effects or certain things that unbelief does to a person. And I also want to point out before I go any further that unbelief in one area of life tends to affect all areas of life. Right. But first of all, before we go into this, I just want to start. Let's, let's start off with, with this. That in chapter 4, praise God. In chapter 4, Cain and, uh, Adam and Eve have given birth to their firstborn son, which is uh, Cain. And Eve's expression was this. That the Lord, so I have gotten a man from the Lord. Take note of that. 
I have gotten a man from the Lord. A man from the, the Lord. And again, she bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a, was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. Praise the Lord. You see, it's a very interesting point that Eve makes here. In the sense that today you ask the average child, where do you come from? And you hear them say, I come from my mother's womb. They have no, some of them have no relationship with God. They do not consider their existence to have come from God. Because they have seen them, they see women get pregnant and after nine months they give birth to children. So when you ask them, where have you come from? You come from God. They said, no, I don't come from God. I come from my mother's womb. So when you talk about God, some of them don't want to know. Why? Because they got this idea that they came from their mother's womb. But here, Eve is telling us that she had gotten a man from the Lord. Hallelujah. This is, a tr this is truth that every child should know that yes, when you come to this earth, you have come from God. Actually, Psalm, Psalm 127 verse 3. Psalm 127 verse 3 tells us this. He says that children are a gift. Children are an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is the reward. So, the fruit of the womb, when a child comes from the womb of a woman, it's a reward from God to the parents. So this is true that every child should know that actually you are a gift from God. All, all of us, we are, <laughs> we are gifts from God to our parents. And our parents have the responsibility to train us in the ways of God. Proverbs 22 verse 6. Say, train a child in the way he should go. And when, he, uh, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So God makes us to understand from the scriptures that actually we have come from him. That a mother's womb was only a chance. I mean, it was just a holding place. So, the... Moses here introduced us to the family of Eve, uh, Adam and Eve. And then he goes on to, to tell us that Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain was a tiller of ground. When we are born, we are also born with certain passions and interests. And here we see that Cain and Abel take their passion and interest very seriously. They become responsible in their passions and their interests. Hello? That is what Cain was interested in working with the ground. And Abel was interested in, had a passion to work with, you know, with the sheep. Gather them and to care for, for them and to raise them up. So there, there is this sense of them taking responsibility for the passions and interests that they are born with. And every child must endeavor to do this. They see a passion in you that you know this is God. God has put inside of me. I am good at it. I'm, 
I, I excel at it. Take responsibility and begin to work with that passion or develop that passion and interest. Praise the Lord. Then the writer, uh, uh, Moses goes on to tell us, you see, he, he, in this passage, Moses, or Mo, God through Moses is, is, is revealing something to us or making us understand the, the reason behind some of the things that we see in our society today. And he's gradually, gradually bringing us to that point. Amen. Then he says that in the process of time, in the process of, of time, Cain brought of the fruit, sorry, Cain, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto God. Praise God. An offering unto God. Hmm. Sorry, unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstling of his flock and of the fat thereof. Hmm. So here we see these children presenting offerings. This is during the time of harvest. During the time that, you know, the sheep have produced and the farm has produced goods and now they, they've been told or or they've been instructed by their parents, and they are bringing an, an offering to God, which is, which is proper. You see, when God blesses us with the wisdom, the strength, and the energy that we have to do what we do, it is proper that we appreciate God, and we come with offerings unto him. Praise God. So, giving an offering to God is something that God requires us to do, and God appreciates it. Because it tells God that we are grateful. Hallelujah. That we are grateful for the wisdom, the strength, the ability, and even the passion he's given us to do what we do. Amen. But there is something more that's happening here. The scripture tells us that when they present their offerings, something happens. God shows respect to Abel's offering, but he does not show respect unto Cain's offering. Hmm. 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 Why is that? Why is that? That God had respect Unto Cain, uh, unto Abel's offering, but not unto Abel's, but sorry, unto Abel's offering, but not unto Cain's offering. Why does God show us respect? And because of that, Cain became what? Very rough, and his countenance fell. God have mercy. Notice that, notice something here. The word respect means God was amazed and accepted it. Wow. And then he accepted Abel's. But unto Cain's, again amazed, but did not accept it. Because it was not good. Why wasn't it good? Was it because Abel, uh, uh, Cain brought products 
something from the ground? No, no, no. Far from that. It was not because he brought food product. No, not at all. Look at the text very carefully. Look at the verse 4. Look at the verse 4. It's the, the verse 4b, sorry. And the Lord had respect. The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Notice that the emphasis, the emphasis is first on the person and then the offering. Hello? It's, it's, it is first the, the person, and on, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. So, the, so <laughs> the clue to understanding why God did not respect Cain's offering, but Abel's offering, is in the fact that the person presenting the offering, there was something not right. Now watch this. It says in the verse 4a, and Abel, he also brought of the firstling of his flock, right? Abel brought of the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof. So basically, his animals have given birth, okay? And he took the, you know, he took the firstlings, that is those ones that have been born, this, 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 this new ones that were fat, so basically, he, when he says that the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof, what he's basically saying is that the fattest of the firstborns. He brought the fattest of the firstborns. It's, it is another way of saying that Abel brought the best to God. Abel came to God to offer to God the best that he had. Or the best that has come into his hands. He brought the best. But what did Cain do? Cain just took something and brought it. So you could see that Abel had come with intent to please God. He had come with intent to, you know, to give God his best. He has heard something about, you know, worshipping God with your offering. And he had come with intent to to, to give God his best. But Cain, as we can see, has just come to perform a duty. He's been told this thing must be done, and so he's just following it. God have mercy. Cain is just following it. He's, you see, it is, it's a very common thing today. They're very common. The mind... Or the heart with which came, Cain came. That is, he was approaching God, but did not really have any, any sense of affection towards this God that he was approaching. He was approaching God, but there was something blocking his mind. So he was just doing what something covering his mind. Cannot really see God. Cannot trust. Couldn't really trust God. They didn't really have any, any confidence in God. They didn't really have any understanding of this God. The Lord God. So he just presents something. And then when he sees that his brother's, his little brother's offering was accepted, he gets very, very 
angry. So one of the things that we see, the first thing that we see in this passage is that unbelief becomes angry when it sees the righteous on it. Unbelief. That is one characteristic of unbelief. It always becomes angry when it sees that, that the faithful or the righteous is on it. Hmm. 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 So he becomes angry. Why? Because he's just a, he has just come. But Hebrews 11 verse 6 makes, make, make, makes us to understand. That you see, says, whoever comes to God must, Hebrews 11 verse 6, is it? But without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please God. There must be faith. That is, there must be some form of trust. There must be some form of, you know, confidence in the God you are approaching. Unfortunately, many people and many children in this age, in this day and age, some of them just respond because moment that says respond. Moment that says they get up and pray, so they are getting up praying, but actually their heart, they, they don't have any affection. They don't trust God. They don't even believe what they are saying. If they are asking God for food, they, they don't even believe it because all that they believe is that, you know, there is food in the fridge. Just mom, just get it out. Let me eat it. Why are you asking this, this God business? It doesn't make sense. You've got money in the account. Take it, buy the food. Give it to me to eat. Why pray to God? So this sense of God thing is not there. It's covered. But as I point out to, to you, and I'll try and point out to you more strongly, that it is Satan that has done this. It is, it is his work. So you see, they that come to God must believe that he is. He is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Like here, Abel saw him diligently. Abel came to him with the intent that, you know, I believe God is. God is God. The Lord God is. He has made us. He has made all this earth. I believe he is. So as I'm approaching him with my offering, I, I want to come with the best to him. And God indeed showed himself. He, he showed respect. How did God show the respect? We are not told here, and I don't know, and I don't want to go into, into it. it. It will be speculation. But the fact is this, that God showed respect for his offering. But for, but for Cain's, no. But what we need to understand here is that Cain became very rough. That is very, very angry. Look at it in the verse 5. But Cain... And Cain was very rough, and his countenance fell. You see, the anger that Cain had here is an indication that his heart was not right. Because you have come to the 
worship table of God to bring your offering. And if, if, if he was a humble believer and you noticed that God did not accept your offering because you really did not bring the best and now you recognize that, whoo, oh my goodness, you know what, God, wait, let me go and bring, I, I, I think I've got some big tubers there. Let me go and get them and bring them to you. But no, he rather became angry, very rough, such that his countenance fell. God have mercy. And like I said earlier on, it was not because he brought food and Abel brought animals. No, it was not because of that. It was his mind or his heart, the unbelief in his mind and in his heart. Unbelief. That can't trust God, can't hope in God. Can't relate with God. It was the unbelief. You see, God appreciates when we bring good gifts unto him. In Malachi 1, Malachi 1, that last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 1, and the verses 7 and 8, it says, Ye offer polluted bread upon my altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, says the Lord of hosts. You see, so God here is saying that you would not even, would you give an animal as a gift that has got a blind eye to your governor? Would you give a sick animal as a gift to anybody? You will not do it. But you are able to present to me things that are not good, things that are bad. Because why? It is the Lord's. Oh, it is God. Oh, oh. Yes. Have you got any loose, any, any loose coins? Let's mm. throw it in. Oh, anything. For the Lord, anything will do. You see, when people have used something, oh my goodness, I don't want to go there, but I have to. When people have used something and they, are, and they have no value for it, now they ask, would the church want this? God have mercy. Where did we get this idea from? That when things are tattered, battered, no good to us, then God needs it. Oh, but you forget, but you forget, but you, but you forget that when in the building of God's temple, he made sure it was built with the best of things, the best of timber, the best of resources. I mean, Solomon sourced, um, he sourced good materials from every corner of the earth that he could find to build a temple of the living God and decorated it with, it, it with gold. My goodness. And... Oh, Abel there comes before, sorry, Cain there comes before God with just anything. And he expected God to quietly accept him because he is a good God. No, God expects the best. Hallelujah. Tell someone, 
God wants the best from you. God wants the best from you. God wants the best from you. I mean, he wants the best from you. Tell your neighbor, God wants the best from you. Hallelujah. Make sure you are giving God the best. You know, if it, whether it is your time, give God the best. You know, don't give your wasted time when you are so tired. You know, the last minute of your day, when you are so tired and you are so sleepy, that is when you want to read your scriptures. That's when you want to pray to God and Oh, God is saying, my goodness, my child, what are you doing? You see, when you wake up in the morning, fresh with energy, God wants to hear from you. God wants you to attend to his word because your mind is attentive. Not when, not when you, are, you are so battered, you know, when your employer has used you 9 to 5 or maybe maybe 18 hours a day, you are, you are wasted. You are now trying to kneel then and you are even dozing off as, as you're as you trying to talk with, uh, to God. No, God wants the best. The best of our time, best of our energy, best of our resources. God wants the best of everything that we ever think of giving to him. God wants the best. Full stop. Hallelujah. God wants the best. You see, you say, but... But you see, I haven't got any good, I haven't got nice things. Yes, among the, among the things you've got, select the good one and offer it unto God. Your best resources. Oh, uh, my, fa my family bought this item, but we don't, we don't, it is not good, we don't like it, so let's send it to the church. No! You give to the people of God the best. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, I said earlier on, the unbelief in one area affects every area of life. When a person has no regard for God, when a person doesn't trust God, has no value in God, it, you know, it runs over to the people of God. God have mercy. God have mercy. Hallelujah. The next thing we see here is this. I want to point out to you is this. Unbelief also ignores sin. It, unbelief ignores the warnings about sin. When it is warned about sin, it ignores it. Look at the verses 6 and 7. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is our countenance fallen? And look at the verse. I want to point something in the, in the verse 7. Quickly. He says, If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? You know, that question indicates or tells us that Cain knew the right thing to, to do. He knew what was good, what was right to do, but just did not do it. God have mercy. And the Lord said to him, And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and, that, and thou shalt rule over him. So basically what God is saying is that, where your heart is right now, the anger in your heart right now, if you, don't, if you don't get over it, you are angry with me and angry with your brother, if you don't get over it, sin 
is going to have you, but you rise up and overcome sin. But the thing is this, when unbelief is present, it, 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 it ignores warnings about sin. So watch the verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Slew him means killed him. Cold-blooded murder. He told his brother something. Whatever he told his brother, I'm not too sure. But he, he managed to convince his brother to come with him into the field. That is, into a place where nobody else could see them. And there, he got up and possibly struck the brother's head with something. And the brother died. Or maybe, he, if, he, if he struggled to die a little bit, he made sure he suffocated him until he died. And then he got up and left him. Why? Because Abel's offering was accepted and his was not accepted. And that is the condition of unbelief. That is the nature of unbelief. It gets angry when the righteous is honored or favored. Or when God's goodness comes to the righteous. It gets very, very angry. And when it is warned about sin, it doesn't take it. Because it cannot take it. So, unbelief gets angry when the righteous is favored. Secondly, unbelief ignores warnings about sin. Now, the third thing I want to point out to you is this. Now, unbelief does not accept responsibility for sin. Look at the verse 9. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is thy brother? Where, sorry, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Secondly, am I my brother's keeper? Goodness me. What a defiance. What a, how rude can a person be? But Cain was rude. To who? To, to a man? No. To the Lord. He was rude to the Lord. Ask him, where is your brother? He says, I don't know. So basically, one, he denies the murder. He denies that he's murdered his, his brother. And then number two, he, 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 he does not accept responsibility for where his brother is. He says, am I my brother's keeper? Now, this is the thing. When we have unbelief in our society, people cease or stop being responsible for the welfare and the well-being of the other person. But this begins not when people grow up. It begins right from childhood. It's called unbelief. Unbelief does not know age. Unbelief affects any, anyone it can get. Wherever it can get through, it affects it. And when it affects it, it just runs through. If the mercy of God has not come through, a person will live it with unbelief till they die. Here, his responsibility. 
and and in a, in, a, in a society as i said as a society that does not that that a society of people who are of unbeliefs or unbelievers there is no responsibility for my neighbor you see only what i can get from my neighbor if i can dupe you if i can sell you anything though it may kill you it may cause you to die it may cause you to be it may cause you to become sick as long as i get the money or whatever i want from what i want from you what happened to you is not my problem that is a result of unbelief 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 when it has no because it has no regard for god it has no regard also for anything connected with god or that god has made it doesn't care you know doing something it doesn't care harming the neighbor just to have what it wants it is called unbelief i need it give it to me just you see sometimes you you hear some of the some of the crimes that we experience in our day-to-day -day, that a simple a mere mobile phone that someone can kill another human being for it just to steal it recently my sister told me a story i think she had finished from the hospital coming home and she was talking on the phone by the time she realized someone has just slapped her and taken the phone from her hands off she said it, it was like a dream i've heard it but until it happened to me i didn't think it was real but it happened so whether when she did a slap and took the phone whether she had fallen down on the road and a, a car killed her or doesn't care all it cares is that it has gotten the phone that it wanted just for a mobile phone that's unbelief in action when it doesn't get its way it will kill it will murder just to have its satisfaction but would it ever be satisfied? That's a big question. That's another question to ask. You see, so Cain lied and denied responsibility, but there was something that he could not run away from. In verse 10, God says, what hast thou done? You see, God was not asking him because God did not know. Hello? God wasn't asking because God didn't know where Abel was. God was looking out at least for a confession. God was looking out for at least he will own up and say, yes, I've done it, I'm sorry. But from his action, you and me can see here that there was no remorse, no regret. He's done it and he's proud about it. Actually, he's hiding it. But wouldn't own up to it and say, Is he my brother? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to keep? But you see, for those of us of faith, we know that we have responsibility towards our brethren. Hallelujah. Praise God. Every child hearing me 
today. Hear me well. You have responsibility towards your brother, towards your sister. If you are five or four or two in your home, you've got responsibility towards your sister or your brother. Hallelujah. You have responsibility to care for them. To make sure that it is well with them. And you see, God, God says, says in, in the verse 10, the blood of your, of your brother cries out to me from the earth. Abel might have been a very good man, a man of faith. I mean, someone who believes God. But for the shedding of his blood, his blood was, but, but for him being mad, cold-blooded murder, his blood was crying for vengeance. Say, God, avenge me. God, avenge me. It is crying for vengeance. And can you believe it? How many bloods have been shed in our earth, in our lands today and are calling to, to God for vengeance? Can you see the state of our society? Can you see where we are as a, as, as a society? That the various, the, all the murders that have been committed... The cries that are rising up to God. And you see, God cannot just let this go. Just like that. In the verse 11. I want to point something out to you in the verse 11. And the verse 14. And now, thou art cursed from the earth, which has opened him her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond thou shalt be in the earth. And Cain said, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Did you, did, did you read that? He killed his brother. And he is concerned that somebody will kill him. There's something I want to say here too. Another thing that we learn about unbelief. Unbelief protests when punishment is given. When it, when it is punished, it protests. What does that mean? When unbelief is punished, it argues his case out that no, it's not fair. When he's done wrong and is being punished, he declares it's, it's, it's not fair. It's not fair. And that's what Cain is doing here. He's done wrong. He's murdered, cold-blooded murder. And now he's protesting. He's telling God that what God is saying or the punishment that God has given him is not fair. That's what unbelief does. Unbelief always protests. It always argues back and says, no, my punishment is, is too much. Punish me, but not this much. Let me just go down food for one week, and that's it. But God is saying, no. You're going to be the land which you have shed your brother's blood. That land will no longer yield it's best for you. Mm -hmm. 
indicating that, indicating that whatever Cain plants, because you know, his, his, oh my, oh, God called him, or well, God has put a passion and interest in him to till the ground. But now, even that, that, God no longer approves it. Unbelief is serious. Friends, we are talking about a serious problem here. It's called unbelief. Even the purple, even, even, even the thing that you are called to do, you've got passion, passion for. When you get into it, you will not see any results. And God says, you know what? It will not happen for you. And then God tells him, you would also be a fugitive and a vagabond. A fugitive and a vagabond. God have mercy. A fugitive is, is, is a person who is running away from something. Running away from something. You know, when a person breaks away from jail, they have to run and run and run and they are called fugitives, right? And then a vagabond, a vagabond, the, the other word for, for, for a vagabond is a wanderer. A, a vagabond or a wanderer is a person who moves from one place to the other with no particular destination in mind. That is, they, just go, they don't have any where they are going. So basically, what God said, the curse, the, the, the second punishment God gave him was that you will be a vagabond fugitive. Indicating you will be moving from place, you'll be running away from something and moving from place to place without any particular, without any destination. That is, wherever you arrive, you will not feel satisfied. Whatever you put your hands in to do, you will not be satisfied. So that means God took away contentment and satisfaction from him. God of mercy. If you do a job, there will be no satisfaction. You do a marriage, there will be no satisfaction. Whatever you do, there will be no satisfaction. You see, and the reason why I believe that he also be a wanderer because when he tries to farm the land, what would happen is that he will not get the best. So he, he might think that, oh, maybe I might get the best here. But he will go, it will be the same thing everywhere. So he will be moving from place to place, not having any satisfaction at all. That is one of the effects of unbelief. It attracts the punishment of God. Vagabond fugitive. And also... What you've been called to do doesn't really yield anything. It doesn't really yield what it's meant to yield for you. God of mercy. You see, and if you look at Proverbs chapter, Proverbs chapter 19 verse 20, 23, it reads, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that has it shall abide satisfied. Hallelujah. When we fear God, it says that it tends to life, and we shall abide satisfied but unfortunately the unbelief will never be satisfied you know it is like this a person who is working in unbelief they have this thing about them that they are never fulfilled in anything that they do 
They're not satisfied in anything that they do. They touch this and they touch that and they touch this and they touch that. They are kind of like wandering, wandering stars. They can't seem to settle anywhere. And even when they think they have gotten something and everybody can see that they are settled physically, but inwardly they, they don't feel satisfied. So they keep. So they get one thing upon the other. They get this tomorrow that. Today this. Today. Give him the most beautiful wife and he still wants another woman. Never satisfied. Give him the most handsome and good looking guy and he wants another one. Give him the most, the most, the most beautiful house and they're not satisfied. They want another one. Give him the most lucrative job and they will complain and complain and complain and complain. Why? Unbelief. It's at work. So never satisfied. You cook anything for them to eat. They eat it. Mm. After that, never satisfied. You can give them the whole world. Never satisfied. Luke was right. And Luke says, a man's life, Luke says, does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. A man may gain the whole world. But lose his own soul. Because unbelief causes people to want and want and want and want and want. But those who are of faith, those who are righteous, are contented. Come with me. Philippians 4, 11 to 12, please. Philippians 4, 11 to 12. Hallelujah. It reads. Not that I speak of in respect of want. For I have learned in whatever it says I am, therewith to be content. Amen. To be content. And then he says in the verse 12, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere in all things. Praise God. So the righteous or those who are of faith, they are content. The little they have. Timothy says, Paul says to Timothy, you see, let me read it. Let me read it. First Timothy 6, please. First Timothy 6. Hallelujah. The 6 and the 6 to 9. It reads, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they which be rich fall into temptation and snare and to many foolish and hurtful lusts which drawn men in destruction and perdition. You see, so when we, are con when we, we have faith in God, it brings contentment. The little we have, we appreciate it. Our parents may not live in a big mansion, but we appreciate it. I'm talking to, to children now. Our parents may not have the whole world. But we are content. You go to school with a bag which you have used from year 7. You are now in year 11. Still using the same bag, but you are content. Hello. By virtue of your size, you don't grow big. So your coat from year 8 is, that still fits you in year 11. But you are content. Dinner money. People come with 20 pounds. You go with 2 pounds 50 or even 2 pounds. In this day and age, but you are content. That is a result of faith. 
But a person who has unbelief, who, who is filled with unbelief, give them a hundred pounds a day and they will still complain. God of mercy. Hallelujah. And now Hebrews, Hebrews 13, please. Hebrews 13, let me read this one. And I'll move, I'll move off. Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6. It says, let your conversation be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You see, you see so with a, with, with a person of faith, because he knows that God is with him. He knows he has all things in principle. And he's content. But with the unbelief, where there's unbelief, there is no contentment and God have mercy he complains that God has given him so much and the Lord said unto him therefore this scripture or this text just melted my heart says, and, and, and the Lord said unto him therefore whosoever slays verse 15 whosoever slays Cain vengeance shall be taken on him seven, seven, sevenfold and the Lord set a mark upon Cain Lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the, of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Now, this is a very interesting text here. Now, you see, here I see the unbelief still operates under common grace. You see, I was expecting that when he protested, God would have just said, Come on, keep quiet. My goodness. But God in his patience, God knew the problem was unbelief. God does not push himself upon a man. But here we see in, in his, oh my goodness, my goodness. God was long suffering with him. He listened to him. And then he said, okay, I put a mark upon you. No one will kill you. Goodness me. Grace. And what did Cain do? Verse 16 is very sorrowful. It's a very sad picture. Verse 16. And Cain went. Cain went from where? The presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. On the east of Eden. I believe that when Adam and Eve came out of the garden. They didn't go very far. They just stayed around the, you know, the garden. But here, God was sending him far away from that place. And he says that Cain went to dwell in the land of Nod. The, the word Nod means wandering. That means he went to dwell in the land of wandering. Just, one, just, 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 just wandering. A wanderer. And look at the first part of the verse 16. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. My goodness. If you connect this with the verse 1. The verse 1 is. <laughs> the verse 1. Eve says I have gotten a man from the Lord. Now this man because of unbelief. Is going away from the presence of the Lord. This is very instructive. It is serious. It is serious. This is a serious one. Though a, this person has come from, from the Lord, now because of unbelief, he is moving away from the presence of the Lord. There's a danger. There's something that we ought to be mindful of. 
Something we ought to be mindful of. A danger. A danger. God have mercy. Hallelujah. God have mercy. God have mercy. A danger. And I want to read Hebrews chapter 3 to us, please. Hebrews 3, verse 12 and 13. Hebrews 3 says, From, he came from the Lord, but now he's moving away from the presence of the Lord. Hebrews 3, sorry. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. In the verse 12, he reads, He says, Take heed therefore, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Oh my goodness, when we get fooled by sin. You see, so when we get fooled by sin, we can get into, into that place of unbelief. When we take certain things for granted, when we begin to give excuses for certain things, sins, we do something and then we excuse ourselves. It is called the deceitfulness of sin. The Bible here is telling us that when a person gets into that place, he is Deceiving himself with sin. And because of that, unbelief can set in. So, what we should do is encourage one another. As long as it is called today, let's encourage one, 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 one another in the knowledge of God. Let's encourage one another in the knowledge of God. Let's encourage one another in the knowledge of God. Because a man's heart can be deceived with sin. Let's not excuse ourselves. When we know something is wrong, let's not give ourselves excuses. Also, I am a little child. It doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Sin does not know age. Oh, I'm a little boy. It doesn't matter. I can just do this. No, unbelief is, is unbelief. Unbelief is harmful. It's dangerous. Unbelief is costly. Watch out for unbelief. Tell someone, watch out for unbelief. Watch out for unbelief. Watch out for unbelief. For it is dangerous. It is dangerous. And don't be deceived by sin. Or else you will land yourself there. Unbelief. God have mercy. God have mercy. And you see. I want to quickly just do this thing. I want to quickly do this. And then Cain went away. Cain knew his wife. My time is almost up. Cain knew his wife and conceived. And bare Enoch and built a city. You know. It's, it's, and he called the name of the city. After the name of his son Enoch. And it's very interesting that Cain has been told that he, he's going to be a wanderer. And as a wanderer, he really cannot really obtain anything. So here, I believe that Cain was doing this as a defiance against God. Trying to build, and then he built a, he built a city and put the name of his child. So that when he is gone, he will be remembered. Because as a wanderer, he's lost everything. But he's lost something more, which I will show you in a minute. As he go on. And then watch this. So here we see the unbelief. Unbelief goes ahead and tries to make something for itself. So in our society today, you will see that people who have unbelief in their heart will be doing some great, great things. Let's not be fooled by it. If they are walking in, in, in unbelief, they are not walking in God's perfect will. Let's not follow them. Amen? Look up. Come with me. 
So Cain built a city, put the name of his son on it. Verse 18, and Enoch was born, unto Enoch was born Erad, and Erad become Mehujael, and Mehujael begot Methusael, and Methusael begot Lamech. Now watch Lamech. Lamech took unto him two wives, and the name of one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. And Ada bare Jabal, and he was the father of Sychar dwelling tents. Okay? Father. Father means the originator of tents. And his brother's name was Juba. And he was the father of all that, all Sychar's handled the harp and organ. So, he also became the originator of the harp and the organ. And these are all, the, these are all descendants of who? Cain. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron as a weaponry able to make weapons and the sister of tubacan was nama so now watch this that they were making advancement in music in in music in culture in in weapons in instruments in tent making they, 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 they started building things being they were very 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 progressive but all this progressive was built upon unbelief. I'm not saying the building is wrong. The building was right. But they were building upon unbelief. But watch out. Psalm 127. What does the Lord say? The Lord says that in verse 3. It says, except the Lord build the house. They that build, they build but in vain. So here they were building, they were making progress. Like our society today, they are making great progress. But it's all upon unbelief. No trust, no hope, don't regard God or anything. It is building upon unbelief. So when we see the world advancing in the way it is doing things, let's not be tempted by it. Let's not say, oh goodness me, I've, I've stayed in the church too long. I want to go and join the world. No, it's a dangerous ground. Do not go there. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, but you see, being a person of faith doesn't mean that we can't invent anything. Being a person of faith, we also have to make sure that we're also building. Praise God. Let's also begin to build. Because God says he, build, he builds with his people. Let's build. If you, I want to encourage every child here. Don't just think about just coming to consume things. Don't just think about just growing up to, 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 to just get a job. Think about, you know, growing up to invent something, to create something in the earth. And be an example of people of, of a person of, of faith who does something for people to follow. Praise God. Most people, they see that the person who brought this pad or this pad or, or this pad is a, is a worshiper of some foreign god and then they leave the church and go and follow those gods because this person following this god is able to do that. No! God gave every man talent and passions and gifts. Okay? Unbelief does not take those gifts away. So do not think that because they, are, they have unbelief, that's the reason why they are advancing. Sometimes the unbelief, they strive to do those things because it is, it, is, it is a way of fulfilling the void on the inside of them. In a way, they are advancing things in the world, but it is not God's best. God's best is when you, a person of faith, can rise up and begin to build and begin to do something great. Hallelujah. 
Let's not just become consumers. Let's start producing whatever God has gifted you with. Any, any passion. Begin to think about it creatively and begin to bring something out of it. Anyway. But you see, as they were advancing in, all, in industry, in culture, in economics, and, and, and everything. As they were advancing, they were also advancing in altering the values and the standards of God. Watch the verse What's the verse 19? And Lamech, Lamech took to him two wives. In Malachi, God makes us to understand that a man marries one wife to produce children whom he will raise in the, in the fear of God. But here, Lamech started marrying two wives. Going against God's standards. So here, clearly, we can see that this society was not a godly society. Society. It was a society being built on unbelief. And again, watch this in verse 23. 23 and 24. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged seven, sevenfold, Lamech seventy-sevenfold. What, are, what is he saying here? What he's saying here is this. That, you see, Cain killed Abel and Cain was trying to hide it. Lamech now kills somebody and he's come boasting that he's killed somebody. So now they are life is no of, of no value to them. He marries two wives, doesn't value life, doesn't value anything. That is a society built on unbelief. And what does he say? If Cain will be avenged seven times, then, then I will be avenged seven, seven, seven times. Boasting. This is society that we live in. Let's watch out. And then finally, finally, I want to point something out to you and I'm, and I'm done in one minute. And Adam knew his wife again. Watch this. After all this while, Adam knew his wife again and she bare a son and call his name Seth. Oh, hallelujah. May God bless us with some Seths and Abels in this day and age. Bear a son and call his name Seth. For God, she said, has appointed me another seed. Instead of who? Abel. So Seth came to replace Abel. Whom Cain slew. That means the parents knew that Cain killed Abel. And to Seth, to him also... There was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. May God bless us with Seth's and Abel's in our day. That in, when, when Seth appeared on the scene through his son, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Oh my goodness. Men have become wayward and gone far away from God. But when Seth came on the scene, hallelujah. When his son Enos came on the scene, they began calling upon the name of the Lord one more time. The knowledge of God began to spread. Hallelujah. Now watch this. In the next chapter, Moses gives us the genealogy of, of Adam. Now it will interest you to, uh, to see and understand that the genealogy, because Abel is dead, the genealogy of Adam does not go like and Adam gave up to Cain. No. Cainly, he moved from and Adam gave up to Seth. 
And that is very instructive. That because of Cain's unbelief, God strikes him off the list completely. My goodness. My goodness. That means unbelief moves you from God's presence completely. He lost his birthplace. Like Esau, he lost it. But the thing is this. If Esau my has have repented, but Cain was completely gone. Unbelief. Unbelief, brethren, is a dangerous thing. Unbelief is a dangerous thing. How do we deal with unbelief? I tell you what. To deal with unbelief, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. We understand that the God of all this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. He's put a covering. A covering. There's, there's, a, there's a covering that, that, the, that the enemy puts upon the mind. That the mind is not able to see God. You and me, we need to pray. That that covering, whether an idea, whether a desire, whether whatever, will be removed. And the light of Christ shall shine through. Another thing that we could also do. You see, unbelief causes people to excuse themselves. When they are sinning, they excuse, they excuse them, themselves. But if we can continually promote the knowledge of God, it will help people keep themselves in the path narrow and straight. So we need to promote God's knowledge in the family, amongst our friends, amongst our, when we gather as friends, when we gather as young people, let's promote the knowledge of God. Let's talk about God's truth. Because wherever there's light, sin doesn't prevail. But when we don't talk about God, then evil prevails. And simply, in the home, let's sit down. Let's discuss the Bible. Husband and wife, discuss the Bible. Brothers and sisters, discuss the Bible. So that when someone, someone is going wrong, they will know that, you know what? We have discussed this thing before. I can't do that. But when there's no Bible talk, there's nothing. Then every evil goes on in the home or among the friendship. And no one says nothing. That's the way to, to cure the disease. Of evil or darkness in our fellowships. I pray. This is my humble submission to us on this children's day. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord. That wherever there is any form of blindness, Lord... In any child, in any young person, in any adult, oh God, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Now this blind, this blindness be removed, oh God, that he can see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus. And if there's anyone amongst us too, oh Father, that is excusing themselves of wrongdoing. They, do, they know it is wrong, but, they, but they're excusing themselves in doing it. Oh, I am young, it doesn't matter, and all that. Or maybe... God doesn't see, well, I'm a grown man. I can do whatever I like. Such, such excuses and such, such deception. Father, I pray that our brethren, oh God, will be, delivered, will be delivered from such deceptions. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray. And help us as believers that we will determine to give our, always give our best to you. And to promote your knowledge in this society. 
that seem to be advancing in unbelief. Help us, O God. We pray in the name of Jesus. And the saints say, Amen and Amen. My apology for the time I've taken. God bless you. God bless you. The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful.